Well, as you can see, and I know a lot of y'all here tonight specifically, you know that we are having a water baptism. And so um, if, if, if you're our guest tonight, welcome, by the way. My name is Brandon Miller. I'm one of the pastors here at Family Life and so glad that you're here to join us. And uh, if you're here to support maybe a friend or a family member in their, in their baptism, uh, we're glad to, to have you guys. And so uh, why do we baptize? Why do we do water baptism? Well, one of the, 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 I guess most popular scriptures are the most go-to, uh, which is the one that points to why we baptize. It's found in Matthew 28, verses 19 through 20. And the Lord Jesus himself said this, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. These new disciples, I'm sorry, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the ends of the age. Let's pray over our time in the word. Father, we thank you for your word. Your word's awesome, powerful, living and true. Lord, I just ask that you would speak to us as we get in your word. Help me to clearly unfold your word and deliver it. Uh, Lord, we pray that you would give us the grace to not only hear it, uh, but the grace, the strength and and the ability uh, to live it out each and every day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So this is a clear command from, from the Lord Jesus himself. He said that anyone, he was speaking to the early disciples, his 12 disciples, and he said, now go and make more disciples. And when these, when you make these new disciples, when they trust in me, and Jesus was saying, and, and, and they get converted and, and they, they get born again, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He said, teach them all the commands, teach them to obey all the commands. So we know it's, it's, Baptism is a command from the Lord himself. Not only did Jesus, like everything, didn't only tell us to do it, but Jesus himself, we see, if you read through the Gospels, Jesus himself was baptized. He gave us the example to follow. And what baptism is, just in a nutshell, before I get into the rest of the message, is it's symbolic. So all these people you see with these blue shirts on that, that are getting baptized, they made a conscious decision to give their lives to Jesus Christ. They said that I, I want to, I want Jesus Christ to be my Lord and Savior. So they made an inward commitment to the Lord. And so water baptism is an outward expression of that inward commitment. I always tell people, we tell people, it's like my wedding ring. I know that I'm married. I made a commitment to my wife. She was here earlier. She's going to get my mom. She's on her way back. I made a commitment for life to her. But I wear, so in my heart, I've made this commitment. If I take this wedding ring off, of course, I'm still married, but I wear this wedding ring to show the rest of the world that I'm committed to my wife. Does that make sense? And that's so it's an outward expression of an inward commitment. And that's why we do water baptism. But to go back to this scripture, and I'll end with another scripture on baptism as we wrap it up. Uh, but I'm not going to spend our whole time on baptism because Jesus said to, to that uh, teach all the disciples to baptize them and then teach them to obey all the commands I've given you. So Jesus gave a clear command for every born-again Christian to be water baptized. But he also said there's other commandments that we're called to obey as well. So we have a choice. Those of us that, that are Christians, that are born-again Christians, we have a choice every day whether we're going to obey the Lord and what he says in his word or not. You know, and there's a story in the Old Testament that a lot of us are familiar with. Whether uh, you've been in church at all or not, you've everybody's familiar with the story of a man named Jonah, right? How many of you have say, say I never heard of, about Jonah? I don't know about anything about Jonah and the big fish. Okay, pretty much everybody in here has has heard about Jonah. See, Jonah got a clear command from the Lord, and and he didn't listen to it. He didn't obey. So I want to look at the story of Jonah as we, before we water baptize it and show the importance of water baptism and how uh, in water baptism, it's a sign of obedience 
It's an act of obedience, but that's uh, all through our life. The Lord has, is going to be either through his written word or he'll be speaking to us about uh, what he wants us to do. Jonah chapter 1, verse 1, it says, The Lord gave this command to Jonah. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Now, for those of you all that was with us Sunday, we had Fabian Greck and his wife Carol. They're in northern Iraq, and modern-day Nineveh is in Iraq. Matter of fact, we had lunch with Carol and Fabian. They came over to my wife and I's house after Sunday service. And actually, they've been to the area where people, where they think that Jonah's tomb is. Now, whenever ISIS went into that part of Iraq, they actually blew up the tomb. But, but modern day Nineveh is, is Iraq. Uh, it's actually across the Tigris River in that part of the country. And, uh, they're actually, that's where these missionaries that were here Sunday are actually working at. So he said this, announce my judgment against it. Because I have seen how wicked its people are. But Jonah got up and went the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. He bought a ticket and went aboard hoping to escape the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. After this, after Jonah disobeyed the Lord, cleared, cleared direction, said, hey, I want you to go to Nineveh. And I want you to speak to these people and tell them there's impending judgment coming. What did he do? He got on a ship and went total opposite direction, went as far away as he could. He, he blatantly disobeyed the Lord. He gets in the ship. What happens, the Bible says, and for time's sake, I'm not going to read the whole story, but the Bible says that the Lord caused a great storm to come upon the sea and to to uh, c- uh, come up against this ship. So, of course, everybody in the in the ship is freaking out. They wonder and they asking Jonah, hey, where are you from? Who, you know, what not? He says, I'm a Hebrew that worships the God of heaven. And, and they cast lots to find out who was to blame. They find out it was Jonah and whatnot. Uh, and so I want to show you, and we're going to continue the story from there. I just want to tell you now he's in the midst of a storm. I want to show you tonight just from this story the different outcomes of obedience, disobedience, and repentance. Because, see, sometimes we don't always obey the Lord. But the good news is even when we mess up because we don't always get it right. Isn't that correct? There's times where we, we're like we're like Jonah and we go the opposite direction or do opposite what the Lord tells us to do. But I'm going to show you how there's good news with repentance as well. So we're going to look at really the blessings of obedience, consequences of disobedience, and then, you know, the uh, restoration of repentance. So let's look at it. Number one, disobedience brings consequences. Look at Jonah 1, 15 and 17. It says, Then the sailors picked Jonah up, threw him into the raging sea, and the storm stopped at once. The sailors were awestruck by the Lord's great power, and they offered him a sacrifice and vowed to serve him. Now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. So a storm arose. These guys threw Jonah overboard, which was... uh. Really, you got to think, I would guess it would be a pretty traumatic experience. But this is interesting. Before I go any further, and then get swallowed up by a huge fish. Could you imagine? And he lives in there for three days. Actually, even in what, which is a consequence of him getting thrown into the sea, the Jonah getting eaten up by this fish or a great whale was actually God's grace too. Because that was actually not only a consequence, but it was also him saving Jonah. Because if Jonah would have stayed in the sea, he would have drowned easily. So even though it was a consequence right there, it was still the Lord's grace. And I'm going to continue that thought in a minute, but just wanted to say that. Let's look at some, uh, a couple other scriptures. When it come, Why is obedience so important? Hebrews 2, 1 and 2 says this. So we must listen very carefully to the truth we have heard, or we may drift away from it. For the message God delivered through angels has always stood firm, and every violation of the law and every act of disobedience was punished. 
Now look in the Old Testament, 1 Samuel chapter 15, one of my favorite verses. Anytime I talk about obedience to the Lord and disobedience, I always go to this scripture because I think it's one of the best ones. Look what it says in verse 22. What is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice and submission is better than offering the fat of rams. Rebellion is as sinful as witchcraft and stubborn witchcraft and stubbornness as bad as worshiping idols. Now, those of us that are parents, I was thinking about this on the front row during worship. Think about this. He said obedience is always better than sacrifice. So those of us, how many parents? Let me see your hand if you're a parent in here. Let me see your hand. Okay. So in a really practical way, if you have children, uh, especially smaller children, any children, and you told them to do something like, hey, you need to go wash the dishes or take out the, or and take out the trash. An hour goes by, you notice neither one of them are done, but your child comes back to you and you say, hey, why didn't you do what I told you to do? Well, well mom, but I, I turned off the TV and I went read a book and do my homework instead. Well, that's great, but would you let them off the hook for that because they went sacrifice TV time and they did a good thing? No, the dishes and the trash are both starting to stink now, and if you don't do them, that, right? So you would, you would rather obedience than sacrifice too, right? Correct? Right? I know I would. I would you still got to go. It's good you read your book. Now go do the dishes and take out the trash, right? Listen, and, and there's a deeper thing. Actually, the last time I studied this message and I preached it, I, I, I caught something that I didn't catch in years reading this. So check this out. The Bible makes it clear in 1 Samuel that disobedience, rebellion, and stubbornness, which are sins of the heart, follow me now, are as bad as the sinful practices of idolatrous pagans and, and idol worshipers. So now catch, follow me here. Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh because the Ninevites were first and foremost, they were enemies of Israel. They had oppressed Israel. But part of the reasons why was because they were pagans. They worship idols instead of worshiping the Lord. So, so, so Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh because he really hated those people because they were idol worshipers and whatnot. But by being rebellious to the Lord, he was acting just like them in his own heart. You follow me? The very person he despised, he became because of disobedience. And so if we're not careful, we think, well, man, you know, I, I do this, this, and that, and I'm good, whatever. But be careful, because there can be things lurking in your heart, like disobedience, that makes you just as bad as the person that you think you're better than of. Like Pastor Todd says, that's tight, but it's right. That's what the Bible says. So remember, disobedience always brings consequences. And just like us parents, right, whenever, you know, we know that our children need to do the right thing, there's some kind of, well, we should, as parents, there should be boundaries and consequences, right? And when there's not obedience, then there's some sort of consequence. And that's, why do we do that with our children? Because we love them, right? We don't do that to be mean. It's the same way the Lord with us. The reason the Lord does this is to try to help us, to teach us, and to keep us out of the ditches of life, right? We tell our children, hey, listen, you can't go play in the road. And if you do, you'll be punished from your bike. You, you'll be punished from TV. You maybe get a spanking. Why do we do that? Because we don't want our kids to have fun? No, because we don't want them to get run over by a vehicle. Isn't that right? Well, the Lord's commands to us are the same way. He's a perfect heavenly father and loves his children and wants the best for us. Number two, the good news is that repentance brings restoration. Disobedience brings consequences, but repentance brings restoration. What I'm about to read to you is Jonah praying from inside of the great fish that he's in now. Jonah 2.7. He says this, as my life was slipping away, I remembered the Lord and my earnest prayer went out to you in your holy temple. Now, it wasn't just like I remembered the Lord, like, oh, yeah. But that phrase, I remember the Lord, in this context means I turned my thoughts to the Lord in prayer. 
It actually means, you know what, I turned back to the Lord. I was disobedient and I turned away from him. But that, that phrase means I turned my thoughts to the Lord, which is interesting because the word repentance means to rethink. When you repent, it means, you know what, I was doing this. I was living this way, or maybe I was disobedient to the Lord in this, this way. But then you ask the Lord, Lord, I'm sorry, I forgive me, and I repent, and I turn my thoughts away from that and back to you. And that's exactly what Jonah was doing. Jonah 2.10, then the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah up onto the beach. You see, what's great about the Lord is that with repentance, there's also a second chance. We get a second chance. Look at Jonah 3, 1 and 4. Then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver the message I have given you. This time Jonah obeyed the Lord's command and went to Nineveh, a city so large that it took three days to see it all. That actually probably means it was so big it took him three days to go tell everybody what the Lord told him to do. On on the day Jonah entered the city, he shouted to the crowds, 40 days from now Nineveh will be destroyed. You see what's great is that after Jonah obeyed, the people of Nineveh repented and they were showing mercy as well. Just as Jonah was shown mercy when he turned away and decided to obey the Lord, he went and did what the Lord told him to do, and the people of Nineveh also, they repented and they were shown mercy. Look at verses 5 through 6. The people of Nineveh believed God's message, and from the greatest to the least, they declared a fast and put on burlap to show their sorrow. When the king of Nineveh heard what Jonah was saying, he stepped down from his throne and took off his royal robes. He dressed himself in burlap and sat on a heap of ashes. When God saw what they had done and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction he had threatened. Isn't that awesome? When we repent, when we ask God to forgive us and turn away from whatever it is we're doing or our disobedience, the Lord gives us a second chance and he'll even change his mind because he wants the best for us. He wants us to come to him. And and, and I I added verse 10 because every time I read this story, I think about this. The king himself, the king of Nineveh, one of the most powerful nations at the time, the king stepped down from his throne and put on burlap and and and, and dressed himself and, and, and got on a heap of ashes to show his repentance that he was wrong. Could you think about even our current president or any other president in recent times, you know, coming out on national TV and basically repenting in front of the whole nation and telling them, hey, I'm turning away from my evil and ways of uh, and, and just just declares allegiance to Jesus Christ. Could you imagine that of a sitting president? That's in, in essence, that's what with this uh, with this king did. You know, so it was a very powerful moment in this whole city. And this was, again, one of the most uh, wicked cities in all of the earth at the time. So with repentance brings restoration. It leads us to my third and final point. Compassion leads to salvation. Whether it's compassion from the Lord, or when we have compassion on other people, it leads to salvation. See, the reason Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh, because he had a lack of compassion for people, given that these were his enemies, but he had a lack of compassion for people. And, you know, you say, well, yeah, you know, man, it's hard to, to, to not to have compassion on your, your enemies. But what does Jesus tell us? To love your enemies, right? Matter of fact, Fabian talked about that Sunday in church. Remember we talked about these Muslims that were getting saved? And he said that there was a Muslim that, that uh, a lady was ministering to. And she read the scriptures of Jesus where he said, love your enemies. And he ran outside and he started crying. Because he was always taught that hey, you go after your enemies, you kill your enemies. But when he read the words of Jesus to love your enemies, he ran outside, began to cry, and eventually gave his life to Christ. 
Remember, these people in Nineveh worshipped false gods and were Israel's enemy. But remember, they needed the Lord, just like we all need the Lord, right? We all do. Because you know what? The truth is, is that before we came to Christ, we were all enemies of God. And that's the truth. He, the Lord loves us, and he made a way for us to be his children. But before that, the Bible says that, you know what? We were far away from the Lord, and we broke the Lord's laws, and we broke his heart, and so we were far away from him. So look at Jonah 4, 1 and 4. It says this, This change of plans greatly upset Jonah, and he became very angry. So he complained to the Lord about it. Didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? That is why I ran to Tarshish. I, I knew that you were a merciful and compassionate God, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. See, he knew the Lord's heart right there. Merciful, compassionate, slow to get angry, filled with unfailing love. You are eager to turn back from destroying people. Just kill me now, Lord. I'd rather be dead than alive if what I predicted would not happen. The Lord replied, it is right for you to be angry. Is it right for you to be angry about this? See, the Lord was compassionate to the people in Nineveh and Jonah was not. See, those of us that have been forgiven, have been saved, have been set free, should be compassionate on those that don't know the Lord or his ways. Listen to me, church, whether we like them or not. I'm glad that there was people in this church and a lot of people that prayed for me, and I'm sure they didn't like me. I'm sure they didn't like how I lived. I'm sure they didn't like the way that I talked. But I'm glad that they had compassion on me to pray for me and to love on me. And guess what? I'm just letting you in, let you in on a little secret. Before you came to Christ, there's probably people that didn't like you either. <laughs> Aren't you glad that people prayed for you and still reached out to you, right? Isn't that right? It's called compassion. It's understanding that, you know what? We've been saved from eternity, separated from God, and he saved us. So we need to have compassion on people too, even if we don't like them. A couple people seem like to, to be on the same page as me. Other people, it seem like they might be having a hard time. The Lord is calling us to be compassionate, church. Those of us who have been, again, forgiven, need to get that. See, Jesus is our example. He had compassion on people that were far away from God. Matthew 9, 35 and 36. Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus didn't have compassion on people that had it all together. The people he had compassion on is those that were far away from the Lord. And that were hurting and that were in sin and all this kind of stuff. That's who Jesus came. He said, I came to seek and save that which was lost. We need to ask the Lord to give us compassion for the lost and hurting people around us. I always tell this people, you know, some, a lot of us, we pray for healings and we pray for miracles and whatnot. You know what a key to, to supernatural power is? It's compassion. How do I know that? Do a little study. Check, go check me and see if I'm right on this. Go through the Gospels. Every time that you see where it says that Jesus had compassion on somebody, something supernatural happened right after it. Go check it out. Go look for yourself. Every time it said that he has compassion on somebody, Something supernatural, either a bunch of people gave their life to him, turned around, or people got saved, people got healed, something super. Maybe he had compassion, he fed a bunch of, multiplied the loaves. So if you desire to see healings and miracles, the Lord's presence and power, ask him to increase compassion in your life for people. Amen? Listen, I just want to encourage you, church, let's be like Jesus, not like Jonah, right? We need to be like Jesus, not like Jonah. 
Let's look at how the book's in, how the book ends. After Jonah threw his grown man fit in like in Cajun country, like I said, he was Boudin, you know, it was very hot. And it said, the Bible says that the Lord caused a plant to grow to give Jonah some shade. Jonah got shade for like a day. A worm came, ate the plant. The plant died. Uh, Jonah began to Boudin even more and, and, and said, Lord, it's, this is too much to bear. Just kill me right here. And, and he started belly aching. And look at Jonah 4, 10, 11. This is how to, this is how the, the, the book ends. Then the Lord said, you feel sorry about that plant, though you did nothing to put it there because the plant died. It came quickly and died quickly. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness, not to mention all the animals, for you animal lovers out there. Shouldn't I feel sorry for such a great city? This is the last verse of the Bible. That's how, I mean, of the, this book, that's how it ends. See, not everyone who encounters God's light and love will respond, but God is eager to save those who receive his love in genuine repentance and faith. So we should be eager to share with people, pray for people, and tell people the good news about Jesus Christ. The book closes abruptly, leaving us to ponder God's final question to Jonah, which God would always rather save than destroy. So those of us that have received his mercy must be glad for those that have been shown the same mercy, even if they are enemies or not. Are y'all tracking with me? So as we wrap it up tonight, before we baptize, I got three questions to ask you. Number one, have you been running from God? Have you been disobeying him? Is, is God been telling you something, showing you something to do, something through his word, something you just feel a prompting, and you know it's the Lord wanting you to do it, and you haven't been doing it? See, all these people with a blue shirt on getting baptized, they, they, they are obeying the Lord's command. But what has the Lord been showing you to do? And you haven't, you know, you just been, you, 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 you've been tuning it out or going the other way. If that's you tonight, I encourage you to repent and to be obedient to whatever it is the Lord is telling you to do. Do you want and need a greater compassion for the lost and hurting around you? Is there people that just get on your nerves and, and you, you don't even really care if God saves them or not? If that's you, are you, it's really you're indifferent. Ask the Lord. I'm, I'm, I'm always asking the Lord for greater compassion. I pray, Lord, fill me with your compassion. Not only fill me, but let your compassion overflow from my heart. That the compassion is not just sitting there, but it moves me to do something for others. To love on people, to try to help people as much as I can. And the third and final question is for another group of people. Do you need to repent and turn to the Lord to be saved tonight? You remember, I started with a baptism scripture, and I'll end. This is the last scripture. Peter said this in Acts 2.38. Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Why don't you go ahead and stand with me as we close up. So you might be in one of these three areas tonight. Either you've maybe been running from God been being disobedient to the Lord. And tonight, you need to ask the Lord to forgive me. Do me a favor. Everybody bow your head and close your eyes. Let's have a moment of prayer tonight before we get into baptism. If you've been running from the Lord, if you've been being disobedient, tonight, ask the Lord to forgive you. Just ask him simply, Lord, forgive me. I've been running. I've been disobeying. Would you please forgive me? And then repent, which means to rethink and turn away from disobedience and make a decision that you're going to obey whatever the Lord's telling you to do whether it's something specific now and, and, and every day in the future. Now, maybe you say, Brandon, that's me. I, I, I'm not that compassionate. I don't necessarily care about people as much or 
hurting people or see people's needs or hurts. But you know what? I, I want to be more compassionate. What about the loss and those that are hurting that you know are far away from God? If you, need to, you might need to say, Lord, fill me with more of your compassion. Lord, give me greater compassion for others around me. And then let me ask you this question. Do you need to repent of sin and just turn to the Lord? Listen, the truth is the Bible says that, you know, all of us are going to die one day. The Bible says it is appointed for, for every person to die one after that comes judgment. And, you know, whenever we breathe our last here, we're going to stand before the Lord. And, and it's not going to be our good works that we've done or haven't done that's going to get us into heaven. The Bible says if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, then you will be saved. That word believes means to trust. It means to trust in the Lord for uh, for your salvation. Just like if you were jumping out of a, a plane and you had a parachute on your back, you would trust that parachute to save your life. So let me ask you a question. Are you right with the Lord today? I visited with a lady today at her house and they've given her just a few months to live. And I asked her, she's been in church all her life. And I said, are you, I asked her, I said, are you right with the Lord? And she said, man, it would be good to know that I'm right with the Lord. All those years in church and it didn't sound like she was 100%. I said, well, you know what? You can be. I, I can assure you there's a way. The Bible says if we repent of our sins, confess them, and trust in the Lord to believe in him again, then we will be saved. We will be prepared for eternity. So do me a favor. With every eye bowed and every eye closed, if you say, Brandon, you know what? I don't know if I'm right with God. I don't know if I breathe my last today. No matter how young you are, we did a, a memorial service for a 32-year-old young man in this in this service, in this sanctuary just a couple of weeks ago. 32 years old, went to work, healthy, was feeling normal, and he died right there on the spot at his work. And he, he knew the Lord. I know that he's in heaven. If that was you and you, today was your last day, could you say beyond a shadow of a doubt, man, I know that I'm right with God? If you can't say that, with every head by every eye closed, I just want you to acknowledge it. Lift your hand and say, I need to get right with God. I'm not sure, but I want to get right with the Lord. I just want to pray for you. I see your hand in the back, ma'am. Anybody else? I see your hand over here. Anybody else? Thank you, Lord. I see your hand in the middle, ma'am. Thank you. Anybody else say, hey, you know what? I need to get right with, with God. I need to give my life to the Lord. I want to make sure that I'm, I'm, I'm right whenever I breathe my last. Okay, for, for you ladies that raised your hand, if anybody else maybe you, you, you feel your heart pounding, you know that that's you too, and you didn't raise your hand, the Bible says if we confess with our mouth again and believe with our heart, we will be saved. So I just want to lead you in a simple prayer, and we're all going to pray this prayer together. Just say with me, Lord Jesus. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for making a way for me to spend eternity with you. Now, Lord Jesus, I know that I've sinned, and I ask that you would forgive me of my sins. I make you my Lord and Savior. Now, give me the grace and give me the strength to live for you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen and amen. Why don't we give those a hand clap that just made that decision today. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Hey, so listen, if you if you prayed that prayer for the first time, or maybe it's been a while, and either of you raised your hand or if you didn't, there's a card in the pew right in front of you, and it says, I made a decision. Do me a favor, fill that card out, and on your way out tonight, you can just drop it off at the info center. Hey, we're not going to harass you. We just want to pray for you. If you need a Bible, we have a Bible to give you some material to get uh, your journey started. So.